Quiet on the set. Okay, everybody, quiet on the set. Scene one, take ten, Marker. of the Modern School of Film. Welcome to Murmur. My name is Robert Malazzo, and over the next hour together, we'll explore where culture meets craft. Today on Murmur, band of insiders, writer, musician, creator, Jonathan Colton is with us. Welcome. Murmur. Welcome back to Murmur. Robert Malazzo here with you. I am the founder of the Modern School of Film. With you on Murmur Radio, murmurradio.com, anytime access, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, download the show, subscribe to the show, review the show on Apple iTunes. That's always a cool, handy dandy thing. Social handles at MSF Murmur, Twitter, Instagram. Also, if you have a subject you'd like me to tackle on said show, go to the website Murmur Radio, one word, M-U-R-M-U-R radio.com. There's a whole form to fill out, really short form. Basically, just email me, (laughs) murmurradio at gmail.com. Let me know the the subject, and I will match it with a guest, and I will bring you on the show. Wouldn't that be cool? Murmurradio.com. Check us out. Welcome. Welcome back. Today on the show is Jonathan Colton. Jonathan Colton is a fascinating, what I call new age architect, maybe new age dreamer. He didn't know he was dreaming, but at some point in the early 2000s when he was working as a coder, he was dreaming. Inadvertently, he was working his way towards creating a new universe of content and connectivity. We'll get to all that with Jonathan and beforehand as we wrap it into today's subject, which is community. Community is one of those words that I think we're missing, or at least we're redefining it. Community used to be the community, the place where you live, the neighbors, the grass or lack thereof, the kids or lack thereof. It used to be the place you live in, community, community watches. We know it expanded. We expanded it to groups of people who we commune with. There is such a thing as a commune, different topic, different day. Community has expanded as rapidly almost as anything related to this other expansion you may have noticed late 90s into now, which is the internet. Let's talk about Jonathan before we dive into community and how it's changed, how I think he's kind of rewiring it 
whether he's aware of that or not, we'll talk to him about that. Um, Jonathan is is definitely on the forefront of what community means or what it did mean and what it could mean. See, this is the thing about rapid change. We are changing now. We are changing since the show started. We are changing. Uh, we will we will change again today. Community is changing. Jonathan was a coder. He was also a budding musician or wanted to be a musician, wanted to be in a band, started forming bands, none entirely successful. Then what, what he would probably call the early days of such things as podcasting and MP3s and, and setting up a store. You, you could set up a kind of virtual storefront early on through blogs and through websites, early website autodidacticism and sell things. And John was re- John Jonathan was rewriting the rules right before our eyes. He had a blog. He had all these things, and he was a creator. I think that's probably the best word for him. He is a creator. He is an engineer. He is a new age creator. Although the act of creation hasn't changed all that much over time, he started writing songs about his day to day existence. Songs that you may or may not know readily. Uh, Code Monkey, which was two thousand six which was part of his project where he was, he was making songs every day. And indubitably, his fans, inevitably, his fans and supporters were buying them, which is another part of this community. John has figured out a way, or figured out a way really early and, and ongoing to monetize his work through a virtual community. Uh, other songs, Your Brain, Skull Crusher Mountain, a really great uh, Grammy-nominated album called Solid State. So it's interesting that the canon is starting to recognize uh, material that comes from this unique source, viral source, virtual source. Jonathan has uh, also co-written uh, with Amy Mann. He's open for They Might Be Giants. He is the in-house musician for NPR's Ask Me Another. He also has a cruise, something called the Joe Co. Cruise. Joe Co., Jonathan Colton. And the enrollees of the cruise called themselves Sea Monkeys. It is a community of fans, not only fans of Jonathan, but fans of other guests on the cruise. And yes, fans of Jonathan. Obviously, he's the titular brand, the titular entity of the Joko Cruise. But these are folks who are fans of stuff and creativity and music and art and comics. It's not Comic-Con, the Joku Cruise, the, though some of the, the guests are comic book guests. Uh, two of our favorites, Kelly Sue DeConnick and Matt Fraction, who we've had on the show our guests. Amy Mann is a guest. So, you know, there's really cool budding energy offshore at the Joko Cruise community. Community is now, as we know, these virtual spaces, these these evisceral, non-existent space, spaces, and that cuts both ways. That allows us to be something we're not avatars on avatars. And I'm not simply talking about games or gamesmanship or images. I'm talking about avatar being a sort of doppelganger, a sort of surrogate for something real. But the community is no less real, you know, simply because the feelings come out of something that we don't consider traditionally organic. It doesn't make the feelings less organic. These feelings of community and maybe community is a feeling now more than ever. It's simply not a physical thing. It's not a reliable part of our infrastructure. It's not a touchstone. It's not a rock anymore. It's a feeling. I feel community. Now, I can be in a community and not everyone feel the same thing. But again, my feelings of community may or may not be based on other people in that community. Isn't it nice when that works out that way, though? (laughs) Isn't it nice when the people around you are feeling the same things you're feeling? Be that as it may, community is stretching. And I think... 
in really great ways because it's allowing an open door now to new people who may not have been able to walk through a door had it not been curated, had, had it not been adorned with another form of welcome mat. There's another edge to it, and I want to talk to Jonathan Colton today about both edges. There's another edge to community, that communities form community. You know, oftentimes community or groups or clubs, I don't want to lump them all together, but let's do that for a second. These clubs or these communities grow out of a dearth of community and in themselves become the inside of something. So we have to be aware of when a community becomes exclusionary. That's no longer community, right? Does community have boundaries and borders, or does a community open its borders? And if you open your borders as a community, are you by default no longer a community? So community is a quizzical word. It has many applications. Jonathan has been in professional communities, uh, coding communities, which again, it's funny about communities. Sometimes we have so many independent operators. Together, collectively, they form a community. I think of coding that way. I worked on a film school in um, Silicon Valley, and I remember thinking, you know, we have all these cubicles of really smart people working for causes. Is that a community, even though they may not interact as readily as a community does? Jonathan went to Yale. College is another community. You know, we'll x-ray that, I'm sure, as we go on. He joined a uh, acapella group, which is often a gateway community for people new to college and who can carry a tune and sing because it looks like such fun. He was part of the Whiff and Puffs, a venerable acapella group at Yale. So he's no stranger to community, but I, I think community is also on a crossroads because we need to, we need to partner with community. You know, communities in and of themselves t- seem to grow exponentially out of sorts. They seem to grow beyond their original intent. I think there's a good side of this now in terms of virtual community, in terms of curatorship, in terms of moderatorship. When a community grows and there is some agnostic review of that community, that can be healthy. And I think Jonathan's part and parcel to that in the sense of, you know, we talk about the Joko Cruz or we talk about his work. He's really in touch with his community. I love that about him. I love how um, he has been indebted, felt indebted, and credited his community as he's gone. He's also become more mainstream in a way. He may or may not agree with that. I think he's on tour right now with Amy Mann. Not that that makes it mainstream, not that that makes Amy mainstream, but he, he's playing with Jason Isbell. You know, there's some cool granularity towards these crossover moments. Twitter is a virtual mainstream, pseudo mainstream niche community. Instagram, you know, Facebook, you may or may not have noticed, is in a bit of jeopardy. And I think it's it's a deeper jeopardy than the news or we may hear being portrayed. I think it's a sign of something else. I think it's a sign that there's a vigilance now being applied to communities. Trust is under fire. Trusting communities we live in a sort of paranoia age, whether we want to admit it or not. Paranoia, paranoia does not play nicely with community. Can you be paranoid and be part of a community? <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm not part of one right now. <laughs> I need to fix one of those two things. <laughs> Jonathan, talking about some of his songs, one of them was a a redo of uh, Sir Mix-a-Lot's Baby Got Back. Uh, lovingly paid homage to the song, acknowledged through Creative Commons, when subsequent uses of that song become birth, the original creators are mentioned and credited. Glee, 
the erstwhile TV show Glee used Jonathan's version, did not credit him. A whole legal wrangling ensued. Um, Jonathan, I'm sure, learned a lot of hearty lessons, maybe not about community, but again, community cuts both ways. You know, as an artist, doing something for other people, creating music for lovers of music, for lovers of a TV show, and then that comes back to bite you, doesn't it? And, and I'm sure Jonathan knows that bite. There's a fallacy of an artistic community. I would fight anyone off on this concept that there is such a thing as an artistic community. I think that sounds well and good. I think artists can be some of the most territorial holder of government secrets ever. And I say that in my privileged point of view because I'm an artist and I've worked with artists throughout my life. So I think artistic community sounds like the right thing to do. Community sounds like the right thing to be in. But how much flexibility is in a community? How do communities work themselves out? What are the challenges of community? We are facing more challenges now than ever to community. Unfortunately, we seem to live in a guile-filled society. So what does that guile do to community. I think it's the antidote or the presumptive antidote. And that's a lot of times why now community is tied to anonymity. Community is a great word. And all these spokes on the wheel of community are not to paint it into a corner. They're to show how diverse it is, how many elements of humanity are reflected inside and outside a community. When you hear the word think a second, Yes, it's great to have a community. Yes, it's great to know a community. Yes, yes, it's great to build a community. Yes, yes and no can coexist. Today, we will inspect one communal SimCityan. He is sort of a SimCityan, isn't he? Uh, a SimCity uh, public policymaker. This is going to be an interesting one because this is a word I love going back and looking at words that I took for granted. I never take for granted community, but now more than ever, it is being reviewed, and it should be without dinging it too badly. So let's let's do our ding-free talk today. The subject is community. The guest is Jonathan Colton. Coming up really soon. Now this. Now let's partner up. Pick someone special to you tonight. Hey. We need to talk. Sure. I'm on to you. What? Yeah. You're a faker. You're not dying. Sorry. In the Tibetan philosophy, Sylvia Plath sense of the word. I know we're all we're all dying, right? But you're not dying the way Chloe back there's dying. So? So you're a tourist. Okay, I've seen you. I saw you, I saw you at melanoma, I saw you at tuberculosis, I saw you at testicular cancer. I saw you practicing this. Practicing what? Telling me off. Is it going as well as you hoped? Rupert. I'll expose you. Go ahead. I'll expose you. All right, come together. Let yourselves cry. Oh, God, why are you doing this? <sighs> it's cheaper than a movie and this free coffee. No, look, this is important, okay? These are my groups. I've been coming here for over a year. Why do you do it? Look, you don't want to get into this. It becomes an addiction. Really? I'm not kidding. I can't cry if there's another faker present, and I need this. So you got to find somewhere else to go. Candy Stripe a cancel ward. It's not my problem. Wait, wait, wait a second. Hold, hold on. I'll tell you. We're going to split up the week, okay? You take lymphoma and tuberculosis. You take tuberculosis. My smoking doesn't go over at all. Okay, good. Fine. <laughs> Testicular cancer should be no contest, I think. Well, right? technically, I have more of a right to be there than you. You still have your balls. I'm kidding. I don't know. Am I? No. No. What do you want? 
I'll take the parasites. You can't have both the parasites, but why don't you take the blood parasites? I want brain parasites. I'll take the blood parasites, but I'm gonna take the organic brain dimension, I okay? That. You can't have the whole brain. So That's far, you have four. I only have two. Okay. Take both the parasites. They're yours. So, we each had three. That's six. What about the seventh day? I want ascending bowel cancer. The girl had done her homework. No. No, I want bowel cancer. That's your favorite, too? Try to slip it by me, eh? Look, we're gonna split it, okay? Take the first and third Sunday of the month. Deal. Looks like this is goodbye. Well, let's not make a big thing out of it, okay? How's this for not making a big thing? Hey, Marla! Marla! Maybe we should exchange numbers. Should we? We might want to switch nights. Okay. This is how I met Marla Singer. Marla's philosophy of life is that she might die at any moment. The tragedy, she said, was that she didn't. Doesn't have your name. Who are you? Cornelius, Rupert, Travis, any of the stupid names you give each night? One of our favorite words, or maybe least favorite, I haven't decided yet, is community. I think it's a word like friendship that people throw around a lot, and and I wonder what it means to them, and in general what it means. It may be more like the word yeti. Its existence, though exciting, is also circumspect. Uh, People talk a good game, but how connected are we in terrestrial life and in virtual life? So to break these ties, we need an expert. Here he is. He knows a thing or two about a community he's built one, I think, from a pre-existing one, and that one came from one, and so on and so on, as you get it. He's a writer, a singer. Uh, He has my old job. He's a glockenspielist. I believe he plays the glockenspiel. He's, uh, I don't know, he could answer that very soon. But he's also, he's a modern dreamer. 
uh, I think he's a modern architect as well. He has his own wiki, his own cruise, and much like myself, he spent too much time watching Pink Floyd The Wall and reading Omni magazine. Please welcome to Murmur, Mr. Jonathan Colton. Jonathan, welcome to the show, man. Yeah, thank you, Rob. Thanks so much for having me. As you may have heard in that little wind-up, I usually introduce the guest uh, in the introduction, but I I held off a little bit on a deep dive because I wanted you to tell me what you are, like how you would describe yourself. It's one of these weird, maybe 20th century dilemmas or uh, 21st century dilemmas. How would you describe what you are? It is sometimes hard to say. I mean, uh, I, you know, I would say primarily I'm a singer-songwriter, uh, although uh, you know, I'm interested in many things, and that has many tendrils into other, other kinds of jobs that I have. Um, I would say at the core of it, that's what I am. When you answer this kind of question at a at a dinner party, people follow up and say, "Oh, what what kind of what kind of singer songwriter?" And what they mean is, "Are you famous? Do I know you?" <laughs> right. And um, right. the answer is, "Well, it depends on who you are." I'm kind of a I have kind of a niche uh, success. It's it's uh, it was built uh, outside the record industry when there still was a record industry, um, and um, you know, as such, I think it is it has taken a taken a kind of odd shape uh, and and uh, the kind of shape that that I wanted it to take yeah I, I think these are parenthetically said I think these are all really good dilemmas I'm relieved to not know how to describe you like to the Vox Populi uh, but you, you did a hell of a job <laughs> let's look at it a different way um, before we talk about community what would you have been in a different age you know locate yourself wherever you want before you your career started breaking through and your work started breaking through, what what were you closest to? And be as grand as you want. Was it Edison? Was it Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? You know what 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 were you? What what would you have been in a different age if that makes any queer sense? No, to you? it does, it does make sense, and it's a very interesting question. I mean, I think um, you know it's unavoidable that I would still have been drawn to music, um, and of course. You know, the idea of of, uh, of music as a profession feels like a relatively recent one. Um, uh, you know, the fact that you can make a recording of music and put it on a what used to be a physical item and sell it uh, that was a that was sort of a brief window in the history of music. Um, and so, you know, if you had located me in time sometime prior to Edison and the, and the phonograph. Um, you know, I think I think I still would have done music, but I'm not sure it would have been a career. You know, if I think back, the kinds of um, uh, jobs and pursuits that 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 I find interesting are the the kind of uh, gentleman scientist, um, you know, the the, the, the <laughs> dilettante, the, the person who's who's interested in many things, who is a, who is yeah. interested in learning about things and exploring things and and being creative in various ways. Um, so you know, I, I I'm 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 always um, you know really intrigued by somebody anybody who has a, a law in chemistry named after them you know Boyle or, <laughs> yes, <laughs> or yes. Pasteur right. you know these guys who were just sort of in their basement tinkering with things and and trying to see what what happened when they did stuff you know that <laughs> I could easily see myself uh, 
having uh, fallen into that as a career instead. I've always wanted to be Occam, um, but the simple solution is never the best one for me, apparently. But his razor, <laughs> his razor comes in handy. Uh, we're speaking with Jonathan Colton. Talking to you, I'm reminded of how versatile artists and professionals and thinkers have to be. So many of the old pillars, whether they're financial pillars or artistic pillars, have uh, have decayed very rapidly. So I think you're never what you were yesterday. I want to talk a little bit, of, go into the eye of the storm of community, because that's a word that kept coming up with me thinking about you. Define the word. I, I hear, you know, you hear it almost every day. There's nothing wrong with the word. How do you define the word community? Because I think your your work works with a community in a very unique way. Yeah, I think in the in the broadest sense, I would I would say it is a, it is a group of people who share something, a belief, uh, or, or an aesthetic, or a goal, um, who work together and, and, and in, su- in support of the, the thing that they share. I, I think that's the, that's the broadest definition for me. It's almost an airtight word. I mean, it's hard to stray too much from its concept. But I, I want to pick it apart a little bit with you. I often wonder with, with working artists, there's a, there's a mythology of community because you really are a lone operator in many ways. And there are different forms of community. So I think the broad question is, are you part of, do you feel part of a community now in your day-to-day life? It's kind of a Venn diagram. Um, you know, I'm, I consider myself part of, part of the community of, you know, professional musicians and, and singer-songwriters, um, you know, to some degree. But, you know, right now I'm in the middle of, um, uh, I'm on tour with uh, Amy Mann and her band as she is opening for Jason Isbell. Uh, and right there you have several intersecting circles on the Venn diagram. You know, am I part of the, am I part of Jason Isbell's community? Well, tenuously. <laughs> you know, he's pretty famous. I just want to um, be on his tour bus. I don't care about his community. <laughs> Go on, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I, uh, every day on this tour I get to play with this uh, amazing group of musicians that, that, uh, that Amy works with. And, and, and Amy is a terrific singer-songwriter, and I'm very proud to have written a couple of songs with her. And so, you know, I feel, uh, you know, these days as I'm doing that, I feel very much a part of that community. Um, you know, at the same time, I think, um, you know, I don't feel like, I rarely feel like a full-fledged member of the uh, professional musician, singer-songwriter community because, uh, you know, I don't necessarily have all of the uh, standard bona fides that everybody does. <laughs> say pelts on the Grammy, wall. I don't get yes. airplay on the radio. I'm, I'm an artist. I think there's, I think artistic community is, is slightly oxymoronic. I mean, fight me off on that. The, the, the idea of there being such a thing as an artistic community. I think it's a very convenient alibi artist to use, present company excluded. Is there such a thing as an artistic community? Uh, you know, I, I think so. I mean, ultimately... <laughs> you you know ultimately you're 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 always a little alone as an artist uh, you know if you're doing it right i think right um you know you you need to be driven you need to be driven internally uh to some extent uh to do to do good work um you know it's, that doesn't guarantee you any commercial success but i think it it does it does help with the goal of doing work that is good and true by your standards, um, and and yeah, I think that in some ways, you know, the idea of an artistic community is can often be misused as a a convenient designation that's not necessarily accurate. A kind of lumping together that doesn't necessarily make sense. You know, I'm thinking of a of a of a niche niche community 
known as uh, nerdcore, um, which is a kind of kind of music. It's you know it's it's nerdy. It's uh, it's uh, hip hop influenced, um, but you know it's got some fuzzy borders. And frequently people say, "Oh, Jonathan Colton, he's he's one of those nerdcore artists." And you know I'm friends with some of those people, and I like some of those people, but I don't consider myself a part of that. Uh, community, but I think you know the farther the, the farther the way you are, the farther away you are from a community, the harder it is to to know exactly what the edges are and and where to appropriately draw them. Speaking with Jonathan Colton, before we go to the midbeat proper, I want to obsess on you in a community in a different way. Check the vanity, check the the modesty. It's it's irrelevant. I'm looking at this clinically. Um, in your estimation, do you is there a Jonathan Colton community? Yeah, I I think there is. Uh, you know, I have. I have felt it. I have felt it since the early days, um, and I credit a lot of my success to um, its existence and the you know the fact that I was lucky enough to to stumble into it. You know, I'll tell you, I went before I was doing this professionally. One of the aha moments I had was that you know I had written a bunch of. Uh, funny, funny songs, and some of them nerdy, and some of them funny, and some of them sad. And I was invited to play at a conference called Pop Tech, uh, which takes place in Maine, and is a kind of TED, TED-like, smart people get together and talk about stuff <laughs> event. Um, and I was invited to play there, and I played a couple of nerdy songs, and I, I heard Lawrence Lessig talk about Creative Commons and, and copyright in the digital age, and and then I did a song. Uh, called the Mandelbrot set about a fractal, and when I got to the point in the song where I uh, sort of stepped through the equation that from which the the shape the Mandelbrot set is derived, the audience of of nerds and techies leapt to their feet, applauding. <laughs> um, and, and it wasn't it wasn't necessarily because they thought it was a great lyric or a great song. They it was because you know I really think it was because they felt. Um, and that was a real moment for me of of feeling like there was a there was a group of people that I could speak for, not in terms of what they thought, but in terms of what they what they cared about and mm. what mattered to them and what what they struggled with and what they what they were fans of. You know, I followed I followed that light for a long time, and it led me to some great places. And I and I do think that. You know, these days, my, I don't want to use the word fandom, but I have to, my fandom really feels like a community of people who, who, who share this aesthetic and who, and who aren't always necessarily, their feelings and, and likes and dislikes aren't always necessarily represented in the, in the mainstream. It's a quizzical thing. I mean, I, I, I've seen it from both sides. And, you know, we have these different phenomena that these, I hate the word, but I'll use these virtual, these ephemeral communities have launched, you know, whether it's trolls or anonymity. I watched Night of the Living Dead the other night, the 1968, <laughs> which is 50 years old. And I was thinking about group psychology. There's something about it, like, one of the things that movie gets really right is it giveth and it taketh away, you know. So community can taketh in the sense that have you ever felt you had to answer to a community in a premeditated fashion? Is that a potential downfall of having people that you would call fans or a community that you have to do things now that have a different accountability when you pick projects or pick work? Uh, sometimes. It varies. I mean, I think you're, you've really hit on it that it is a double-edged sword. On the one hand, <clears throat> you know, to have this 
this level of of support uh, from a group of people who are, you know, not just fans of your work, but feel like they are a part of something. Right. Right. Um, that is is really important, really sustaining. Um, it's it it's a huge value to me, and I'm so I'm so grateful for it. But at the same time, you know, I know that that community of people, you know, wants certain things from me or I imagine that they do you know and so there's always a little bit when I'm when I think about my own personal creative work I always have to do a careful bit of thinking to make sure that I'm I'm following uh you know my own light <laughs> you know when I'm writing a yeah. song it needs to be a song that I care about and that I'm interested in and there is a temptation to you know feedback to the community, the thing that I imagine the community wants, and it's it's not always easy to resist that temptation because it feels like the the safest, um, most comfortable path. But you know, I I do think it's my job in that zone to to challenge that and to be to to make sure that I'm focused on on the things that I care about in terms of creative work. In in other contexts, you know, for instance, the the cruise, the Joko cruise, the fan cruise that I do with a bunch of musicians and comedians and... And Matt Fraction. That <laughs> and Kelly Sue DeCotta. We, I joke because we love Matt. And Matt, Matt And Matt Fraction. It should be like with Kelly Sue DeConnick and Matt Fraction, you know, like at, and Gene Hackman. Yeah. I just love them. That I'm just joking. But no, it's an incredible <laughs> roster. Yeah, and, no, it, yeah, go on, please. It's an incredible roster. Yeah, it's, a, it's another group that's very hard. It's another... Uh, circle that's very hard to define i don't know i don't know what all of these people have in common but yeah it's the, you know again it's the, but I, you know the thing is in this context i really think very hard about what that community of people wants the people who come on the cruise you know they want a certain kind of experience and and i delight in trying to provide it to them uh in terms of the roster and the events we do and the tone we take in our communications with them and it's it's um my community of fans as a musician i feel like supports and cares for and provides for me you know they're sea monkeys and and we we can get to this now you know the joko cruise i'm still hoping for my ticket on the lido deck do you have a lido deck by the way or is that just too much the, the a, love boat there is a lido deck okay okay yeah no there's a lido deck it's true can i have my my pillow uh, pre-puffed, uh, please. Um, I expect an invitation, but we, we can... You can have anything you want on a cruise ship. <laughs> Apparently. Um, <laughs> but anyway, you know, 2013, just to do the metrics on it, uh, 2013, under 400 attendees. Now nearly 2,000 attendees. You can correct any of this. Uh, you know, I, I was looking at the... I was thinking about the Appalachian of Sea Monkeys. Again, you and I, maybe we read from the same cereal box as kids, you know, I was thinking about those great Sea Monkeys. And here's in the podcast where I insert a Sea Monkeys commercial if I can find one, but... Fellow country monks, here's how we're going to put instant life into the economy. Let's whip up a winning team of amazing live sea monkeys because sea monkeys are more fun than a barrel of people. All you have to do is just add sea monkey eggs to prepared water and you'll see instant pets swimming alive before your eyes. You'll have a ball watching them grow. So what are you waiting for, team? Go out and get them. Sea monkeys, the amazing instant pets for the whole family. You know, you also do a really interesting thing on the cruise. You program for them, but you also allow them space. It's something that the Comic-Con culture doesn't really do. It's risky, though. I, I don't mean to play Archer here to your thoughts. I just want to push back because I think you've been nothing but humble, grateful, thoughtful about everyone you create for. It's one of the rare instances where an artist understands him or herself really well and is reverential to that. So I don't want to be the Sicilian in the room. You know, I was thinking about them calling themselves sea monkeys. I mean, what are, what is the dropout? 
what is the line? How does one allow a community and allow individuality at the same time? That's the best question I can offer you. Boy, that's a, you packed a lot into that. I know, um, man. Sorry. I think no, no, no. These are all. This is a. This is a great. You know, this is a very fertile area of discussion. I think. I think that. Well, first of all, I mean, you put your finger on it. You know, the name Sea Monkeys is not a thing that that I chose or that the, the cruise. Uh, the other people who work on the cruise shows. It's a thing that was chosen by the community itself. Um, That's awesome. You know, would I have would I have chosen exactly that moniker that maybe infringes on somebody's trademark? No, probably not. <laughs> um, <laughs> of course, but, I forgot who I was um, talking to. <laughs> yes, go on. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. But it it is you know it is what it is what they wanted and it is what it is a name that spoke to them. Uh, so. You know, let's do it. And, and yeah, we do, you know, we have programming that we provide, but we also leave time open in the schedule for, we, we call it affectionately, the shadow cruise, which is events that come from the community. Um, and uh, it is a little perilous because, um, you know, you don't, because the... <laughs> You know, even though it's not your programming, it does represent you. Right. So there's always the possibility that somebody's going to do something that is offensive or, or that goes terribly and that people hate and, and that I, you know, that we, the, the cruise, people who work on the cruise get, get blamed for. But um, it's made a little bit easier by the fact that this this group of people is, is among the most uh, uh, caring and accepting and understanding um, and supportive groups of people I've I've ever met. I mean, it's really the the community of sea monkeys is a wonderful bunch of people, um, and so there are not a lot of bad ideas that come out of them. Um, so it's been pretty easy to uh, to <laughs> to keep that sort of thing at bay. But you know, we we um, we don't allow things willy nilly. You know, you, you do have to kind of clear it with us. I don't think we've really ever had any issues. But you know, I do recognize that it is a. Um, uh, you know, it is almost a competing event that we allow to happen on our cruise. <laughs> well, well, t- 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 <laughs> and there's some people, some people who say, like, you can't, you can't do that. It's going to get. What if people like the Shadow Cruise more than your cruise? Right. right. And my answer is always, well, the Shadow Cruise happens on my cruise, so <laughs> I win <laughs> either way. It's the play within a play with Hamlet. We're speaking with Jonathan Colton. Before we get into our, one of our last beats, which is the I word, the internet. What about self policing in a community? Is that a myth? Does that happen? Have you seen that in your wake of your work? Because, you know, you seem rarely sensitive and smart and and your ingenuity is is top notch. Do you think there's a level of guard railing that is built within a community that you have nothing to do with? Yeah, I don't think it is infallible. um, And I don't think it is as, as powerful as policing. Policing is probably too strong. A word yeah. guardrail is maybe a better, better analogy. You know, it it is. I mean, it does. Unfortunately, it does require a certain amount of groupthink, which has its own problems. But yeah, there is kind of a self-regulating effect that happens with uh, with the sea monkeys, where there there are there are norms that develop and 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 standards and 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 people who champion certain ideas within the community and try to get those ideas to spread. You know, I, I always feel very uncomfortable when I go to a dinner party and I don't know anybody or when I go to a convention and I'm all alone and I'm trying to join a conversation circle. It's a, it, I, I don't know, I don't know too many people who feel great about that, but um, 
you know, when you are a first timer on the cruise, that's where you are. There's a there's a there's a set of norms and standards that are developed. There's running gags that that happen from from year to year, and you feel like a, an outsider. And there are people, there are sea monkeys who have come every year who have made it part of their mission to um, accept and guide and help these new people feel at home. And they, you know, they somebody one year made uh, pins. Uh, you know buttons that said that said uh, you know come and come and talk to me. I'm I, if you're new, it, come come and talk to me. I love that. There's a there's a room where people play uh, board games 24 hours a day, and you can put a sign on your table that says, "Please come and join our game." If you if you if you want that to happen, people made uh, somebody made pins that said two pins that they gave out to lots of people that said um, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something like. I am feeling social and would like to talk now. Mm. And another one said, I'm feeling antisocial and want to be left alone. Mm. And it's just, it's amazing to me that the, this group, the, to watch this group, these ideas kind of bubble up um, and, and in support of the community and, and in support of uh, you know, specific groups within the community. How do we make these, these kinds of people feel more comfortable? How do we... Um, knit ourselves together even more strongly, and that—that that is, you know, the—that's why I think of it less in terms of policing. You know, I think there's a positive version yeah. of that. No, uh, no, I, I don't know. I don't know what you what you'd call it exactly. No, I agree, and and uh, there's something great about that. You know, come talk to me, or if you're in Washington Square Park, free hugs, or whatever it is. And you know, some of it's theater, some of it's genuine. It, it, it's slightly irrelevant, but how how do we build a community? Uh, maybe it's my Silicon Valley days, IRL, you know, in real life. How do we, there is a, a chasm, right? If someone's in a coffee shop and wouldn't mind someone talking to them, people are reluctant now without these guardrails, without this sandbox, that you, one of which you've created, many of which. Can we translate the, those community properties to real life? Or is this a human dilemma? Is this not an architectural dilemma? There certainly is a challenge um, in in moving from because you know I mean when when I when I was first starting before I had any IRL events before I was really playing playing out and touring and you know certainly before the cruise existed um, you know this community was an online community you know it was it was and it it existed only in the comments uh, on my blog then it kind of expanded to other places you know I set up a message board and. People went to that, and somebody, some fan set up a wiki, a Jonathan Colton wiki, and that, that, you know, became a place for people. And so it doesn't always translate into the real world the same way. You know, certainly at my shows, uh, you know, you do see uh, a kind of shared aesthetic and a celebration of that shared aesthetic. I mean, I, I used to be, um, when I did shows, a lot of people would show up dressed like zombies because I have a song about uh, zombies. Um, and that was always really thrilling, not just for me and my ego to see that people had, you know, engaged in cosplay based on a thing that I invented, but, <laughs> right, right, right. but, um, but to see them see each other and find each other, uh, you know, and if you're the kind of person who goes to a Jonathan Colton show in full zombie regalia, you are delighted to find other members of your tribe. There. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that is. That is very exciting, but at the same time, not everybody who comes to a Jonathan Colton show wants it to be uh, a zombie cosplay event. You know, part of what's challenging about 
moving a community into meat space um, is that, uh, you know, everybody is in the same physical space in a way they are not online. People can find their little silos online and, and um, uh, you know, I, not to put too fine a point on it, but one thing that does help is a, having a cruise ship as the... No, <laughs> it, 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 it does, you know, and, and no exit, as, a, <laughs> no uh, exit as, our, as our daily Sartre reference. <laughs> you know, there's really, I, I mean, it's a great it's a great model, and the boats are getting bigger. You know, you may need a bigger boat, as the man said. But but I, but I was wondering, you That'd know, th- these communal uh, boundaries that make or break or bend and twist, what is the greatest obstacle to community, or what are common obstacles to community? Uh, there is a human tendency to uh, to treat these groups in a uh, in a tribal way, uh, in and to to turn that feeling of inclusion into uh, a feeling of exclusion as mm-hmm. a way of right. defining yourself. Right. And, and you know the worst of the worst of nerd culture is this kind of. Um, you know the bad Star Wars fans who 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 think that they know what Star Wars is and that it can only be one thing, and anybody who believes something else is is wrong, um, <clears throat> and that is a really unfortunate aspect of of nerd culture, and I think a, a challenge that um, we all should be aware of is that you know it's it's about celebrating the things you love. It's not about uh, tearing down. Um, the people who celebrate other things or the people who who like your favorite thing wrong or you know that's that's the worst impulse it always is i find that very depressing i agree i think snobbery is the the depth of any art form and i think film which i practice in is one of the more snobby ones and i think it's it's the nadir sure. of the art form if if this isn't celebrated then it becomes a it becomes armor and a, and a weapon and i think it's too easy to do that but what you said as we go into our last beat here you know, with the troll, as and you've written songs, really great songs about the troll, you know, and we happen to have some in high places right now, but the troll exists because of the community, right? Is that too cute an assessment? And, you know, is is one give birth to the other? Because I do think we do have a kind of modern dilemma of a troll or of an outlier, of, of just to be opposite, just to be opposite, because now we're seeing it in really deadly global form. What is your prognostication on this? Can we other can we ever seal the door again? You know where the troll came out because the troll came out of the community. The troll came out of a community, even if that community was their basement with their stuffed animals. I certainly hope so. You know, I think that I think that uh, I mean I've thought a lot about this because my you know my last album Solid State was I mean in many ways it was me attempting to deal with this loss of innocence and this. Uh, this fallen paradise that is the internet. Um, you know, for a while I felt like uh, the internet was going to save us and, and um, was going to connect all of us and let everyone have a voice and, and we were all going to move to this new kind of global understanding and, and, you know, it felt like we were on that path and then, of course, you know, the troll is a reaction to that. The troll is a pushback. Uh, you know, the troll... Um, I think has their own kind of tribe and their own kind of community and their own set of norms, and you know I think that what we are seeing right now, king of troll culture in the White House, you know I like to think it is a growing pain. We are still coming to terms with um, the idea, you know, with this feeling that we are now all in the same room together. <laughs> you know, we didn't used to be. It used to be that your 
your own silos and your own little tribes were not always rubbing up against all of the other silos and tribes. Um, and so, you know, you look at Twitter, this teeming mass of people who who think things and think other things and hate the people who think those other things and are up against each other all the time. I think that is a very new experience for us, uh, us being humans. And I think we are not built for it, and we don't have the tools to deal with it. And, uh, you know, we're we're in the infancy of this new thing, and to, to expect it to go right to Eden status is maybe... Um, a kind of naivete that I had once, but but no longer believe. I don't. I don't really believe that's possible. I think we've got a long way to go. I think to turn it around, we have to treat this as a as a growing pain and as a learning experience. We have to learn how to be together and how to have empathy for one another. And uh, some people are better at that than others. And I think it's a uh, you know. I think we'll get there, but I don't know. I don't know how long it'll take. It's interesting as we round off with Jonathan, one quick question and one quick goodbye thought. Sign. I want to get your thought on a sign as we say goodbye. But I love growing pain as an idea because I always think we're back to square. I always think of Edison. Edison, some of his first early, some of his early film experiments were kittens boxing which is an internet video, basically. You know, and maybe on, a moving content, maybe on a moving content level, we are back to square, but you're talking about a humanistic enterprise, and Edison didn't have to deal with that. Edison didn't have to deal with someone who loves cats and, and shared the cat videos. But he may have wanted it. That's the thing. I think Edison would have loved this time. You know, so there, there's these Faustian bargains that any movement begets. I just, maybe it's our age or my age. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little less optimistic right this second, but you're changing my mind. Here's a question and a thought as we say goodbye. The question is, you know, Joe Madden, the Cubs manager, current Cubs manager, said something really interesting about Twitter. I know. Talk about, you know, Joan of Arc in disguise. He said there should be two Twitters, Twitter light and Twitter dark. If you have something good or, or neutral to say, go to Twitter light. If you have something trollish to say, uh, go to Twitter dark. What do you think about that? Or, or is it better served in the same trough of thought? Boy, I mean... <laughs> um, it changes the equation. All, I don't think it would work. Yeah, it changes the it equation. Changes the equation. I don't think it would work. Mm. Uh, you know, who who would go? Who would want to be? You know, who would want to be in a full time Twitter dark? And who would want to be in a full time Twitter light? I mean, listen, I I I'm not saying it's the greatest thing. I'm not saying that I'm I'm proud of it or that it's a trait that I should have. But I clearly because of my behavior, get some degree of enjoyment from watching people argue on Twitter, because I spend a lot of time doing it. Interesting. Um, and I, 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 don't know what that, I don't know what that means. I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> I don't know how to make Twitter a happier place. But I, I feel know, a song I coming it, on. I feel a song coming on, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I think, of, I think of the Internet and this time and all of this stuff in these terms is that, you know, it's it's all well and good to say oh we should have a Twitter light and a Twitter dark but that's not really what we want it's clearly not what we want we want this otherwise it wouldn't be happening <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. so on some level we want this and I I think uh, you know there's always a pushback against uh, a new technology that disrupts anything and this has been you know the last ten years have been this incredible disruption of everything. Um, and it's understandable that we're all feeling a little panicked and that people are f- 
freaking out in various ways. Um, but you know, you can't you can't get off that bus. It's going. It's we're we're on our way. Mm. And so you know, I think for better or for worse, we have to figure it out. And you know. You know, we can't trust the market to take care of everything. We need to make some rules. We need to have some standards. Uh, we need to have some, you know, you need a moderator in a community. But I, I do think that, well, that is a, a noble idea. I, I think that we need to, I'm not sure, I'm not sure it's, I'm not sure that separating us is the solution any more than it has been in the past. I think, I think being closer together, uh, hearing more voices uh, is a is a ultimately a net gain, even though right now it feels like a terrible, chaotic mess that might kill us all. I think this is the way forward. I, maybe that's interesting. Maybe I'm going to find I'm going to feel naive in another five years, but that's that's what I think. Well, it sounds like maybe there's more of Darwin than Orwell in Twitter, or you know, Twitter is an abstract idea. It's a scarier form, and you know, but it's the form we need to live through. The last thought we've been really generously here with Jonathan Colton lending his voice and his brain both halves. Um, I, you know, Facebook is on the ropes. You may have noticed. <laughs> and actually, I, I find that as an interesting, I'll use the word sign. And as we say goodbye with the sign thought, what do you take it as? I mean, if we want to look at it as still the, the godfather, one of the godfather, godmothers of virtual communities, Facebook, it's becoming extinct in a weird way. And I think Zuckerberg is probably taking more time during his day to think what next than what now. What do you take it as the, the current uh, slings and arrows that Facebook is going through, rightfully so or wrongfully so? I really think it is a cautionary tale about two things. Uh, one... In very general terms, things rise and fall. Um, you know, there were there were several Facebooks before there was a Facebook. Um, you know, MySpace was a thing. It still is a thing, but it is not the thing that it was. Um, and Facebook will pass, and Amazon will pass, and Google will pass, and Apple will pass. Um, they may be around for longer or shorter times, but this is inevitable. Um, and that that may be what we're seeing. We may be seeing it transform into something else. I, I don't know what's going to happen. But, um, you know, these, these things are not guaranteed to last forever. Uh, and the second thing is I think that uh, Facebook is a cautionary tale about, um, you know, misusing a community. Uh, you know, it really feels like, um, and Twitter Twitter feels increasingly this way, too, is that, um, you know, the Silicon Valley plan of, getting as many usage as possible as fast as possible and then monetizing them um, is maybe not the best way forward, not just in terms of um, what's good for us humans, but in terms of a, of a long-term sustainable business model. You see this in, in, with both Facebook and Twitter, that they, they were really fun and really amazing and they really positive and they connected all these people and it was really exciting. And then they started figuring out how to squeeze that community to make money and how to, um, how to sort of, you know, what they say is this, if, the, if the, <laughs> the service that you're using is free, then you are the product that mm. is being sold. Mm. Um, and uh, I'm not saying that we should not try to make money uh, building communities, but I think um, both Twitter and Facebook are learning some really hard lessons about what happens when you don't when you don't respect that community when you don't see that the community is the reason that you exist um, you know you need to 
you need to be a good steward of that community while you are making money. Um, and I, I, I really hope that, the, that, uh, that this is a sign of, of, of us uh, learning that, getting one more notch on our belt on our way to <laughs> uh, understanding that. We do this every week. We bury the lead, you know, and you've unearthed it. Uh, part one of the lead is respecting the community. You know, it's it's like uh, a, an athlete not respecting the fans. You know, they are the reason why the athlete exists. But it's also trust. A community has to trust you. Um, and, you know, whether they feel betrayed by or not by Facebook, rightfully so. But one of the things I think you've done incredibly well, you have been the most eloquent, humble, modest spokesperson for a community. It's not only in the work that becomes a tribute to the idea, it's that you have uh, been ahead and with the community at the same time. And that's not easy. That's that's the hardest synchronized skating I can think of, man. And uh, I, I think you're a modern architect. And uh, the next time we do this, I'd like to do it. It doesn't have to be the Lido deck. I don't know of any other decks. Just not steerage. Please don't put me in steerage. <laughs> You know, I mean, Jonathan, we've not met, but that's low. Do you, you, can we you, agree on that? You know what, though? There's some amazing Irish step dance parties that happen ah, below the water. So. The whiff and puffs. I, you got to take know, the good with the bad. We'll t- get to your acapella roots the next time, or maybe in the sunshine on the, on, the, on the cruise. All the best to you, and hopefully we'll catch up with you on the seas or on the road sometime soon. Well, thank you very much for having me on, and this is a really great discussion. I appreciate it. Cheers, Jonathan. Be well. We'll catch up with you again. Be well. Thanks so much for having me. We have to learn how to be together. I love how he said that. I think that's interesting because communities are not enough. Reasons, alibis, RSVPs are not enough. How we contribute or how we let others contribute or not, it's an all-around package that we have to allow people to be in the community, be individuals, uh, contribute not. To me, it's about the why. I love words like that. I I love topics where we explore something that might be a firm grasp of the obvious. Nothing is a firm grasp of the obvious anymore. We want to thank Jonathan Colton for being on the show with us today on Murmur. want to thank you for being here with us today on Murmur. Murmurradio.com social handles at MSF Murmur, Twitter, Instagram, website, one word, murmurradio.com. You can email the show. If you have a subject you want me to tackle on the show, email me, murmurradio at gmail.com. I will match your topic to a guest, bring you on the show. We will form a community of two. Is that a community or is that a duet? How many people does it take to make a community? Didn't ask that. Think about it. See ya.